Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's study is entitled John 21, Called to Prosperity. Our text to begin is John chapter 21 from verse 18 to verse 19. It says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying these, this, he said to him, follow me. Prosperity theology is the idea that Jesus suffered and died to make people's lives better in not only spiritual ways, but physical ones. Prosperity teachers commonly say things like, Jesus died to make us rich, Jesus suffered so we don't have to suffer, and if you are still having financial or health problems, you must not have enough faith. I once heard a prosperity teacher even state that a poor man cannot enter the kingdom of God. Some of you may wonder why I speak so frequently against prosperity theology. And the answer is twofold. First of all, if you simply teach through the Bible, which is my method of exposition, you will find prosperity theology contradicted over and over and over. We're going to see that in today's study. Secondly, I emphasize the contradictions because so many people in Uganda are held captive by this lie. The lie hurts people in several ways. One, it impoverishes them because they continue sowing seeds, expecting the promise of a hundredfold return, when their seeds are actually just harvested by the false teachers who lie to them. Secondly, it causes people to doubt the power of the gospel. One young man told me recently that he had prayed and fasted, believing God for something, and God still had not given him what he had asked for. If you've done what a teacher tells you to do without getting the result they promised, what do you conclude? That the teacher must be wrong. When a person promises you that if you give your life to Christ, you will never fall sick again, but then you fall sick again after giving your life to Christ, you conclude that Jesus doesn't truly have the power he claimed to have. The truth is, just that Jesus never promised the things these teachers do. If you disagree with me, consider what Jesus says to Peter in today's passage. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. That's a description that Peter lived his life for himself, like we all do. He did whatever he wanted, when he wanted to do it. But Jesus says, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter's appointment came with a prediction. Was this prediction that he would have a prosperous life and his borders would expand, gathering houses he didn't build and vineyards he didn't plant? No, the prediction was that he would be killed violently. Jesus is describing that Peter will one day be crucified. Church tradition holds that Peter requested the Romans crucify him upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die the same way his Lord had. 
If you try to say this suffering was only for Peter as a special leader of the church, consider what Jesus said when he called Paul to salvation and ministry. In Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, we read, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. When Jesus called Paul, he promised Paul he would suffer many things. Indeed, Paul lists some of the things he suffered for Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, from verse 23 to 25, we read this. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. Paul is saying there he, he feels like he's foolish for speaking of things that had happened to him in ministry and what he had accomplished in ministry, because the context of this is that he's defending his ministry to the believers in Corinth. He says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings. So Paul had been beat so many times, he says they're countless and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. If you again try to avoid this reality of suffering by now saying, so first you say, oh, that was just Peter because he was the rock that Christ built his church on. So he was supposed to suffer, but I'm not. But then you look at Paul's testimony and, and you see that he was called to suffer too. So now you say, ah, that was just for the apostles. They suffered, but I'm not supposed to suffer. Well, consider other passages that were given in the New Testament that contradict that understanding. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Who is included in all? Well, everyone is included in all. There's no way you can get out of that statement. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 and 30, it says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. These passages guarantee every Christian will suffer, and actually explain that suffering is a gift, since through it we become partakers in our Lord's ministry. Let no one deceive you with man's philosophy and empty hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a person's method of interpretation. And there's many times where false teachers use that expression of different interpretations to justify the lies that they are promoting. If you are in Christ, according to scripture, you are called to engage in his conflict for souls. Notice what Jesus says to Peter immediately after telling him what kind of death he would die to glorify God. Follow me. Isn't that interesting? You see, the call to follow Jesus isn't a command to come where everything will be easy. Jesus is honest about what it will be like. He had this dialogue with some people who weren't truly committed to pay the cost of following him. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 to 22, we read, And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. 
And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. The cost of following Jesus is unconditional devotion to him, no matter what physical harm and sacrifice that devotion brings. I have a brother in Christ who was converted out of Islam. When he was converted, some people tried to take his life. For him, the cost of following Jesus was immediately real. And he paid it anyways because true believers know this truth. From 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, we read, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Friend, do you understand the true gospel and its purpose? Jesus died in our place to take away God's wrath against our sin. The Bible says this in Psalm 75, verse 8, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. When Jesus was arrested, he said this about receiving this cup from his father. In John 18:11, we read, So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? If you reject Christ, God's going to pour out his wrath on you. Jesus has provided escape. He's already received God's wrath, so we don't have to. He has met our greatest need, which we have no ability to do ourselves. We can never atone for our sin. Only Jesus could do that. That's the gospel as revealed in Scripture. And what is the purpose of the gospel given in Scripture? What is, it, what is the impact it's supposed to create in the lives of believers? In 2 Corinthians 5.15, we read, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What is the root of all sin we commit? Selfishness. A sinner thinks only of his or herself. Does a thief consider the loss of the person he steals from? Does the adulterer think of the damage he causes? Does the murderer think of the life he takes? Here again is where prosperity theology is so contrary to the true gospel. The conclusion of prosperity theology encourages more selfishness in people's lives rather than greater selflessness. People think Jesus is supposed to give them their self-centered desires. The truth is the opposite of this. Jesus died so we would quit living for ourselves and live for him. The two great commands that summarize the law according to the Bible are to love God with our entire being and love our neighbor as ourselves. If we did this, God tells us that we would never commit sin. So we see sin always comes when we begin loving ourself more than God and our neighbor. Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is not a statement saying we should avoid everything Jesus had to do. No, it's a call to partnership beside him in ministry. We are yoked together. It is not supposed to be Jesus plowing and me just off enjoying my own desires. No, if we are his, we've been appointed to his purpose. If you've been led astray by prosperity theology, 
I invite you to consider what the Bible really says, being faithful to its context and your own experience in life. And if the call to follow Jesus when he tells you you must suffer is not worth it to you, can you be sure that you have ever truly been his follower? God bless you all.